This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salts have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influences. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing, and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Hey Gordon, how's it going? Really good. I'm looking forward to uh, our discussion this morning and our guest this morning be- for one particular reason. You want to know why I'm really looking forward uh, to this? Uh, yes, good. He's about the only oak in the industry who's still alive who's older than me. <laughs> No, that's a hell of an intro. I mean, Gordon, I mean, for once we've got a guest in the studio and he's about to walk out after that intro. (laughs) Mike Leahy is the founder and MD of Media Manager and Media Inflation Watch. And I can tell you, I know I've known Mike since literally my very first day in advertising because I joined McCann Erickson as the uh, sort of junior assistant trainee media planner. And Mike, you were the media manager, I think, in those days. Uh, or John, uh, John Ransom. John Ransom was. So you were like the senior planner and I was the, the gopher. <laughs> but literally, for, I've known Mike yeah. uh, for over 40 years in media. So Mike, it's fantastic uh, that you're able to join us in the studio today. We're really excited about that. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Mike has been innovating in, in this kind of space for a long, long time. I mean, Mike, you remember the old days before you... <laughs> Uh, went online with Media Manager and Media Inflation Watch. We had a, uh, a library full of books called Sarad. Uh, they were called, well, Sarad and, of course, Amps. Uh, yeah, Amps. All the data was, and we literally had whole offices of, of, of printed books, and you decided to uh, to innovate and move us into the space of online data information. Well, one had to. Things were moving faster and faster. Um, people needed the information quicker and quicker, and it was the only means of uh, delivery that made sense. Mm. 
One of the things you, you, you kind of mentioned when we were chatting was who uses it. I mean, I was quite surprised because I was trying to figure out how and where they would fit into the life of, of, of an agency, a media agency. We get a lot of our TV data, you know, on, online through a Talma or an Ariana. So it's, it's all sits on the box. But you were saying that's not necessarily the, the space that you're playing these days. Uh, absolutely. If we look at our subscription uh, numbers, uh, about a third or so uh, come from mainstream advertising agencies and media placing houses, the OMDs, the media shops and the like. Another one third come from PR companies. Many of those are actually placing media themselves. And another third come from marketers and uh, media owners. Media owners not necessarily uh, wanting to know what they're doing, because, in fact, very often they don't, but what their competitors are doing, and that's why they use us. So it's, a, it's an interesting mix. And uh, the last year, for instance, um, the advertising industry, the uh, paid-for space, as we all know, has uh, taken a huge knock. But uh, public relations is, uh, is going gangbusters. It's uh, doing very well. So as one sector declines, the other one takes up the slack, and vice versa. When things get back to normal, uh, when uh, money starts flowing, you'll find uh, uh, the advertising agency, media placing, the media business as we know it, Gordon, uh, will suddenly start uh, picking up. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting balance. Well, I'm loving the when part of it picks up <laughs> again, uh, as opposed to uh, the more traditional view of if, uh, yeah. please, 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 please. But in the last couple of weeks, uh, you've specifically launched the, or released the latest tranche of inflation figures and that has become a, a really important benchmark and I know that a number of the the global uh, auditing companies um, are using that as a benchmark as well for their, for their global reports so it really is a good indicator uh, of where we sit. What are some of the highlights or what are some of the inflation findings you know in the last release which was what quarter three of 20 uh, there was a complication last year? Uh, that's right if you recall um, quarter two uh, COVID-19 pandemic hit uh, the print industry particularly very, very severely. There was no publishing in that period. Or if there was, there was very little distribution. Uh, so for uh, the first three periods, first three quarters of last year, we combined uh, quarter one and quarter three and called that the average for the period. Uh, for radio, TV, uh, outdoor, etc., we used the full three quarters. So that uh, when we release quarter four, which will give us the full year's numbers, and that'll be in a few weeks' time, we'll have three quarters for print and uh, four quarters for other media, uh, except of course cinema, which has only got one quarter. Uh, mm -hmm. And if it ever comes back on on, on stream, uh, who knows? Yeah, I made the point to the doc uh, earlier on in one of our discussions that uh, I actually question whether we should be thinking of cinema as a medium anymore we should think of it as some form of activation to be quite honest like going to a test match but uh, mm. be that as may so i mean I, I i think the medium will survive uh, make no mistake but mm. survive in a very different uh, format uh be very much fewer houses very much fewer screens it'll mm. be a special event there'll be uh, gigantic screens and all that uh, those dolby special events and and and, and so on you know, uh, I, I look back, I mean, yes, I'm older than you, but I'm not quite as old as media. <laughs> uh, I, I look back and the oldest known commercial communication uh, was in Pompeii and it was for a brothel. 
um, and it was for outdoor. And it's still there. You can go and look at it in Pompeii. I haven't yet, but I intend to. It's, on my, it's in my bucket list. Well, I, I've been to Pompeii, and uh, um, I can't say I particularly, maybe I missed that particular corner of uh, Pompeii. And it's important, Doc, that you say it correctly, Pompeii. Don't call it Pompeii. Uh, well, no, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's why you, you missed that particular corner. <laughs> but I think just, Mike, just, uh, be, um, you know, just, it's sad about cinema though because you know Gordon and I were chatting on another show and we were chatting uh, on 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 the nostalgic effect of the big screen of cinema you know the the heydays of the big Peter Stuyvesant ads and the James Bond epics and you know I guess in today's times I guess those epics would have been Fast and Furious and I guess the Harry Potter and all of those and so it it is sad you know we're still Kenny Coin Bank uh, in uh, in Business Rescue at the moment. Uh, I don't know, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't have a view, but uh, certainly, you know, you look back at those times and you remember them fondly of, of that magic of cinema uh, and, and its commercial properties. And certainly, you know, as a marketing guy, Gordon, you know, we use cinema earlier on in my career a lot more than at the end. And at the end, it became, as you say, uh, almost almost a last buy out of, out of the media mixer. Well, if, if one looks at cinema globally, um, as an advertising medium, it doesn't feature in the States at all. Mm. It's not allowed to carry uh, commercials. Um, so it's relatively few, as far as I'm aware, uh, mm. countries in the world ever carried commercials of the type we know in this country. Okay. Um, so, but the, again, going back, I mean, when, when TV launched, everyone thought that radio would die, mm. but it didn't, it changed. Mm. Uh, when radio launched, everyone thought the print would die. And that's 100 years ago in South Africa, yeah. the first radio stations. But it didn't die, it just changed. Yeah. And, and every new medium adds to the communications mix that we've got. Mm. I mean, uh, when, when online uh, became uh, even half important, uh, all of those um, propeller heads thought every medium was going to die. Mm. And of course it ha hasn't, and it won't, but it will change. Mm. And, and in the same way, a cinema will change, and it's probably long overdue, um, but it will still exist because no medium that's ever been invented by humankind has ever disappeared. Mm. It's just changed. Yeah. Certainly not the one in Pompeii anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm told we've still got brothels, uh, but you might know better than I. Yeah, no, look, you don't even have to find a brothel these days. You just take a drive after hours through through Santon. I can assure you there's plenty of activity. It's rather sad, so it doesn't even have to go indoors anymore. But And they're all underneath the, uh, the super Underneath the arches. We dream. No, that's a different, that's World War Two. Sorry, I'm reminiscing. Um, speaking of reminiscing, I mean, just to come back to, to, to cinema, you're right. You know, of course, back in those days without television, all we had was Biscope. Yeah. So it was the big place to launch those big commercials. And then once we had the launch of television, uh, Doc, you won't remember this, but we had the staggering equation where if you were the brand leader, you got eight spots on television. Then there was a Barney. And... and Four had to be Afrikaans and four had to be English. In English, correct. And you had to split them into the three seasons of the year. So Not four, all of these three. plus, and then depending on your market share and your share of voice, you could Barney over an additional four spots, yep. um, which could take you up to a total of 12. And then there was a mysterious thing, which the SABC called Factor X. <laughs> um, which, and trust me, Mark will tell you this is true. You have to sit there. So if you were... Ford and Toyota had 15 spots and you 
had only got 13, you had to then write a report on why you didn't get the extra two. And then we, yeah. just, we eventually discovered it was called Factor X, yeah. which 20 years later we discovered was at the discretion of the SABC. Mm. And uh, I think at the discretion of Jacob Zuma, it's the same principle. Some things yeah. haven't changed in that regard. But, uh, Mike, let's come back to Media Inflation Watch because a um, couple of big developments here. I mean, the most noteworthy stuff. And year on year, it's not so much the quarter on quarter, especially last year because it's hard to get a fix. But year on year, if I look at radio, there's a flattening out. It's almost it's almost at zero, maybe kind of half a percent. And television also is 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 flattening out. But just explain to us how how you go about calculating uh, and reporting inflation. So I know you're looking at basically at audience and rate quality. It's a bit of a mix. It's not as simple as it might sound. Uh, no, it's uh, far from simple. Um, what happened uh, is about twenty odd years ago. Uh, I arrived late at a media director circle meeting and all of the portfolios had been handed out and there's one portfolio left uh, called media inflation uh, and they said okay Mike uh, you can you've picked the short straw so I was given that um, and I was given some uh, spreadsheets on Lotus 1, 2, 3 of course because that was dominant in those days of, uh, of uh, various calculations and I realized that uh, there was something missing um, what was missing was uh, a way of comparing media over a point, uh, over a period of time uh, that was consistent, and secondly, weighting the media so that uh, as a medium's uh, changes through the years, that was taken into account. So what I did is I had a, a standard um, advertising package, standard unit of space for each medium, and for print, for instance, it was quite simple. Then it was a column centimeter black and white uh, for newspapers because uh, color had a funny calculation. But in subsequent years, it's become uh, full page, full color, uh, or its equivalent in newspapers. Uh, for radio, what I did is I took one spot an hour from uh, 6 o'clock in the morning to 2100 at, in the evening. So it didn't matter if the stations changed their channels. It didn't matter if... Uh, one uh, station had a different calculation, a different channel makeup to another station. So long as they were broadcasting, I had them. And similarly with uh, with the TV, I took a 20-spot package at the same points in time every single month. So those points in time would be uh, on a Saturday, for instance, 1,500 to capture the sport as it was then, 2,000 peak time, 2,300 shoulder time. For Sunday, it was 2,000 and 2,100, uh, 20 spots through the week. And it was always the last week of the month, uh, both for radio and for TV, because that was the biggest advertising month, uh, biggest advertising week, rather. So that if uh, the stations up their rates, you might recall the SABC had a, a Monday, Tuesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, which was cheaper at that stage than Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It didn't matter. I had them. And there was a methodology to take it forward. The second thing I looked at was how do you weight, for instance, uh, uh, SABC1 against the Diamond Fields advertiser? Um, and particularly through the years, because their revenues are going to change, uh, their, their performances are going to change. So what I did is I took the revenue numbers ex Nielsen's. So on the basis that if you were spending uh, 10 million rand uh, in uh, SABC1 last year and the rates went up 10% uh, 
uh, you're now paying 10% more. If uh, your performance has gone down 10%, you're getting 10% less. Um, uh, and your cost per thousand, roughly speaking, would go up about 18% thereabouts. So apply that to the whole industry, to so the whole of the SABC's one uh, revenue, which is currently billions, and they've got the numbers. And that's how I put it together. So it's now about 86, 87% of the spend in the country weighted with, uh, with all mainstream media. We don't have to monitor every single magazine, for instance. Firstly, uh, it's, it's not in ABC. We use the ABC numbers. Secondly, you're not going to get the ADEX numbers, but they're sufficient there to get the trend of the industry and certainly the important mediums that most advertisers are spending money in. I can see the doc's eyes lighting up with excitement at all these numbers. Eh? Yeah. He's, a, he's a closet number man. You know, he'll tell you he's a strategic thinker and he's agile, but he's a closet numbers man. I'm this is exactly when I would sit to the media house, Gordon, and say, simplify this to exactly what I need to know. And if I need anything more, I'll ask you specifically. But don't start off with 100 numbers because by the time, you know, half an hour into the meeting, I've lost it. So start off with a few that I need and then tell me why I need them. So absolutely. But yeah, well, done on that well, uh, at the end of the day you can just get one figure yeah. uh, how much your rate has gone up yeah. how much your performance has gone down yeah. um, and what the well I had to call it the MIW index and here is a bit of a problem because not for all media and not for uh, 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 all periods can you calculate a cost per thousand mm. for instance if uh, Tams and Rams makes a methodology change you can't compare one period to another mm. so we draw a line across that and say, okay, you can't compare the uh, listenership or the uh, the uh, uh, viewership. The only thing that you can compare is the rate. So in that instance, we say the cost per thousand change is the rate increase. Mm. Um, you have to. It, it's it's one of the quirks in the data. This is why he's the responsible part of the media business. <laughs> I'm not. I I I'm recently converted to what the doc tells me is called a two-handed regression. <laughs> if you don't like the way the numbers look, you just squeeze them and put them together. And I can compare, <laughs> I, I can assure you, I can compare anything with anything at all if I'm in the mood. But nevertheless, okay, so let's bring it back on track. Um, the the sector that, that is most under scrutiny right now, not least of all because I've just released some ABC figures, which we'll talk about, um, is the print sector. And looking at the inflation figures, I mean, uh, year on year, the quarter three figure you released, the dailies up 33%, 45% for weeklies, um, magazines up 18%. Um, it poses the question, you know, with that kind of spiraling, and that that's linked to you, the point you raised, so the circulation declines, even if the rate card were to remain the same, you know, there's going to be an increase in inflation. Uh, how sustainable is that sector? Um I think the advertiser will determine that. Um, I, I wouldn't uh, uh, like to prognosticate, uh, that's the term, as to which ones are going to die and which ones are going to live. But if you said it, just look at a, uh, a mainstream publication like Fair Lady. Um, when I was a, a little boy in media, uh, when we were both little boys in media, uh, there were 26 issues a year. Mm. Um, in 2002, it went to... Uh, 12 issues a year, monthly. Right now, six issues a year. Uh, back 20-odd uh, years ago, it was 170-odd thousand circulation. These days, it's 
30,000 mm. odd circulation. Uh, I stand to be out a, a bit on the circulation here, uh, but certainly we're looking at huge decrease. So if you look at the issues it pushed out into the marketplace <laughs> for the average uh, advertiser, uh, the number of pages it could carry, um, the, the early to uh, uh, the, the, the early part of this uh, this century, if you can call it that, um, uh, there were 26 issues a year. It could carry very many more pages. These days, it can't. It's just a limitation. And that, that will carry through. If you look at the Diamond Fields Advertiser, uh, the daily, I mean, I think it's 1878 it was launched. It's over 100 years old. Um, it's just gone weekly from... Uh, maybe 100 years of Monday to Friday. Uh, they say they're going to recommence um, uh, a daily uh, publishing when COVID-19 pandemic has passed. But will it? Somehow I doubt it, because uh, back, in the, back in the day, they had a printing press. These days, they truck in the copies, uh, all the copies from Johannesburg, push up the pr price of, uh, of uh, diesel, all of a sudden it gets more expensive. It's not going to... I wish it... I wish it will happen, but I doubt it. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, the cost of distribution is, is horrendous. But I mean, I guess that, Doc, that's all FMCG. I mean, distribution has got to be a key factor. Yeah, you know, I, but I guess it starts with the, the point you guys were making earlier in terms of printed books. You know, I mean, I, when you were talking and I, and I wasn't saying, I was just listening. You know, I immediately conjured up Encyclopedia Britannica World Book when I grew up at school. You know, that was the source of reference. It was printed. And I guess now the adage is the moment it's printed, it's outdated. So if you look at newspapers and you look at stuff that I need to see now, and I look at, you know, just from a pure advertising marketing point of view, where we used um, a lot of those prints, Diamondfield Advertiser just been one of those to, to look at the Kimberley area, Foxblatt in, in uh, Bloom. I'm just looking at that region now for a second. It was mostly around our retail ads that had a very short shot shelf life knowing that the newspaper was going to be in and out but we know that people could just go online they could go on the app and find that piece of information a lot quicker forget the fact that it had to be distributed that, that before they even got the thing before it dropped you know you've got a limited time span um and so we used it for, for retail which is you know as i say uh, was was done from a from a, a lot a dwell time you know so people could sit down dwell, look at the piece of paper, absorb the deal. But these days, you know, as people are more and more uh, used to buying online and interacting, and we've spoken at some length, Gordon, about and not just COVID, but I mean, how that's accelerated the whole digital uh, adoption. Mm. I, I don't know about the future of newspapers for near quick time data because yeah. I can just go online. It's, it's there and it changes. And if I look at stock prices, share prices, uh, financial indicators, that stuff, the moment you print it, it's outdated. That, that's the challenge. I mean, I, and it's interesting to look at that dynamic. So, you know, if we look at perhaps the one example in, in the last couple of months of success, um, and we featured Daily Maverick 168, here, I mean, the distribution uh, that they've formula they've come up with is brilliant. Yeah. They initially were projecting 25,000 copies, they're up to 33,000 mm. now, which is very encouraging. And give it some context. Let's take the star, which was the blockbuster title. Star has got. 22,000 circulation, but a paid-for component of that 14,000. So it is literally, you know, as you said, it, it's smaller than the Sandton Chronicle. I mean, there are, are papers that are have become obsolete. Uh, and now you, you, you talked earlier about, you know, when 
television arrived, you know, radio reinvented itself and radio is busy reinventing itself now through podcasting and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down to earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real life situations, go check out the salt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Are you seeing any evidence of, of newspapers kind of reinventing themselves? I mean, beyond the obvious. And you know, one of the advantages, and I don't want to keep you know, punting Daily Maverick, but is you can read the thing for three or four days. You can literally read it cover to cover. Yeah. One, because it's readable. And two, the, the, the editorial to advertising ratio is not what you're finding in some of the other papers. I mean, five pages of retail before I get to the first article in a major Sunday paper. That's insane. Yeah. Well, six, uh, 168, I think, um, is a brilliant concept. Um, it's just a pity that it's, it's unable to carry too much retail advertising mm. because of the pick and pay yeah. link. Yeah. So that severely limits uh, the revenue that they're able to, to pull into the newspaper, unfortunately. Uh, it is a very nice read, and from a business point of view, uh, it's very few extra people they have to add because it's a one-stop distribution. They don't have fleets of trucks and things floating around. Presumably, they don't have a, a circulation manager. Um, and all the editorial staff are already employed elsewhere in the business. So it makes a huge amount mm. of sense. Um, make, no, make no mistake, the um, management of the average uh, mainstream newspaper in this country is no fool. They've known about this for a long time. They've known what's happening overseas. What has happened is that uh, COVID-19 has just condensed uh, the obvious um, uh, and, it's, uh, and it's accelerated that revolution into one year. Um, they've had no time to, to adapt to it. Um, if, if one looks at uh, the average newspaper, they're all online in any event. They, the, uh, if one looks at the brand, the star, look at the Sunday Times, look, look at them as a, as a brand. Um, and you look at the various touch points, and they've got all the touch points there. What they've not been able to do yet, and maybe it's too late for some of them, is convert the print touch point to the online and the other, the other touch points. Hopefully all those brands will continue. Whether or not they'll be printed touch points, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's some confusion. Also, some of the early efforts, although successful, like at times live, you had the conflict. It's the brand is Sunday Times, but the online component is Times Live. So the, there needs to be a streamlining of the branded uh, entity per se. So I know what I'm getting myself into. But uh, but, but the, the the other point here, Gordon, is that uh, and it's an adage within the newspaper industry: they're swapping uh, uh, print rands for online cents. Mm. And you look at a big mm. operation yes, like uh, uh, like Arena. And they, they've got a, well, maybe not now, but certainly a whole building full of people doing goodness knows what. Uh, online uh, uh, economies are very, very different. Online businesses are very different. So they've, they're having to make a very painful transition. Mm. And it's that revolution has just accelerated that. Um, those, those big public companies need big revenues. And I'm not totally sure the online models are going to deliver the kind of revenues that could sustain those big companies. Yeah, some of those freemium things are, are tempting. So I, I, I'm kind of tormented with guilt because I read The Guardian, you know, mm. kind of religiously online and 
and they equally faithfully sort of invite me every day to pay for it. And just for the moment, I can't. It's just, it's just not an option. But were I to get to the point where I could, I would actually be, I would happily pay for a subscription to the online Guardian because the quality of the writing is outstanding. Same with the spectator. So Absolutely. I guess, you know, it's like any any product, Doc. You, you, mm. If it's quality, if the quality is there, um, one has to, you know, somebody will purchase it. So you, you've yeah. got to kind of invest in the quality first before you try and sell the quality outcome. And also uh, the options. In other words, what else is available? You know, what I mean? so in other words, if you look at something, and let's take News Twenty Four as an example online, they've got a subscription model as well, which I haven't subscribed to. You know, what I mean? because my logic is I can get that elsewhere. I don't have to go to News Twenty Four to read. Global, but a South African news essentially. So, so I guess that's always the challenge, you know, Gordon. In any market, in any marketing, is who who's your opposition? Like you spoke earlier about understanding what is out there uh, and getting value for money. Also, you know, if you look at some of the market of the years of the year who we've had on a lot of the theme there, and it's such an obvious theme is what does the customer want? You yeah. know what I mean? What does the customer want? What is the convenience? People are not going to do something that is harder for them and more expensive unless they can see that extra value. And if you can't make it tangible, they are going to take the path of least resistance for them at that point in time. Mark, you wanted to say? Yeah. In fact, if you look at the magazine market, uh, that's exactly what's what's happening. Uh, um, you look at some of the European productions. Uh, my wife gets some of them. Yeah. They are beautifully produced. Yeah. Um, different uh, stock and the art direction superb. Um, really really good reads and there are some uh, magazines making making that kind of uh, noise in this country ideas comes to mind uh, Trina Turon and she just launched a journal fairly small numbers but they are superb productions well worth uh, the uh, the premium cover price and that's really got to be the future of print because um, why why bother paying for something you can get elsewhere is, is what you can't get elsewhere. It's the package that it's delivered in. Um, uh, the uh, Maverick 168, yes, it's a newspaper. It's printed uh, like a newspaper, but it could be a magazine. Mm. Um, it, 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 it looks very similar in many respects to The Economist. Mm. Um, and The Economist internationally, the same as The Financial Times, is doing superbly well. Why? It all comes down to content. People are prepared to pay for something that's that's unique and that's worthwhile. I mean, try and read The Economist. It, it's hell to read, but if you can get yeah. into it, it's fantastic. Outstanding, yep, I agree with you. Um, just uh, a couple of points there, Mike, before we wrap up. Um, what's the best way for, for people to interface with you? Um, just on the on the Media Manager website, is there an access point there? Or are you, well, uh, I know part of your team is on, on social media. Um, the, uh, it's it's cobbler's uh, cobbler's children's shoes really. We, <laughs> we we ought to be doing a lot more, but we're too busy doing what we're doing. Um, they can send me an email, Mike L M I K E L at mediamanager.co.za. Uh, our website, yes, there's quite a lot of information there. Uh, www.mediamanager.coza. Yeah, and uh, just to come up then, for, you know, for the wrap up. I mean, I think. You, the point you've raised there about economies of scale. I mean, once you get beyond, and I think you mentioned earlier, was it the Swedish report? Um, it was there was a there was a kind of an optimal cutoff point beyond which you can't kind of recover. The economies of scale aren't there. You you know what what was that comment? Which I thought was really interesting. 
Well, it was the Swedish Press uh, Commission, I think, of about 19... It was in the 1960s. And I remember Noel Coburn um, describing why the Rand Daily Mail failed, uh, because what happened is that they got to... Uh, beneath the threshold of supplying at least 50%, 50-55% distribution, penetration of any particular market. And once it gets beneath that threshold, it then becomes less relevant uh, to to advertisers, particularly retail, which is such an important component of uh, newspapers. It's why the Santon Chronicle and and, uh, the Ramberg uh, uh, Sun, etc., carry so much retail advertising, because they penetrate that mm. market. And one's got to ask the question, how many of our daily newspapers are going to, uh, are going to cope on that kind of uh, Well, that's scenario. the challenge. And I think you, you, you've mentioned one of the, to the publishers. I think we, we, we should revisit that, Doc, because, I mean, for me, it's just overtraded. We've got, you know, in 1975, we had 19 weeklies. Now we've got 26 in nineteen, you know, in the seventies, you had a hundred percent or eighty percent of ad spend going on TV kind of thing, and it's, you know, oh, sorry, on print and twenty percent on the TV. Now it's swung the other way around, so just not viable. There must be some sort of consolidation, but I think that's for uh, another topic. So, Mike, uh, I just want to ask, yeah. Mike, just Heiskenwet and you, how are they doing? I mean, they seem to be. You know, we've spoken, Gordon, last year about magazines and, and we saw Associated Press. and we, But they seem to chug along and, and do stuff. I mean, how are their numbers? Um, they're holding up surprisingly well. I mean, yeah. I look at them each quarter and I say, yeah. there's got to be a fall sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. But because it's the kind of content you can get on, yeah. on, on oh gosh, Facebook and the like. Yeah. But it has a franchise and that... It's holding up remarkably yeah. well. Surprising, it yeah. is. It is. It's one of those. You know, we were chatting. We were chatting earlier about the nostalgic effect, certainly for me, of cinema, but also of magazines of yesteryear. You know, I remember. You remember a holiday, uh, a driving in in the back of a car when you were a kid. You know, reading a magazine, and certainly I remember. You know, Heisgenoot. I think it was before you, wasn't it? It was always Heisgenoot yeah. before they made the English version. I mean, as a kid, I always saw this magazine, and 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 still today. Um, but but having said that, I mean, uh, Heisgenoot. You and there's a third leg of that yeah, uh, a triangle called Drum. Yes, mm. yeah. Drum is now dead. Is oh, now only is, online. Is that a fact? Because yeah, I was yeah. actually going to ask that question. Because that is interesting. I mean, again, I, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Has it got a younger readership? Uh, is is that part of the part of the logic? You may, you and maybe Heskenert. You know, is it a female skew, older readership that people would f- prefer to read uh, a magazine? Always, uh, always. I mean, it, it, it always had a female bias. Yeah. And, and older, I think these days would be even more exaggerated. They tried yeah. desperately and very innovatively at the time to capture young people because you had the sort of young you or whatever yeah. kids kind of uh, okay. sector in it. But, you know, the, you know, you have to challenge, you know, young people to re-engage with something f- with which they have become unfamiliar. Yeah. It's not their, it's not their kind of natural tendency. And I, mm. I know that because. Unlike you know, we got another grandpa here. He's you know, he's got three. I've, I've uh, I'm looking forward to to getting my new scrum off this this we, uh, this next few days somewhere. Number uh, uh, nine, yeah. Oh uh, really? So, Jeez, uh, but it's interesting when you watch little people. Yeah. And you read a book with them, they don't turn pages as yeah. you and I would. They actually they kind of you know. 
scroll, uh, scroll uh, swap, them across, swap, swap across them across like a like a screen, and yeah. they touch and they they treat it like a screen. That's the instinctive yeah. response. But, but yeah, look, yeah. I think Hastings in particular for me has got one vertical component, which is we sometimes forget in this country. It's Afrikaans. Mm. You were saying fifty percent penetration, you know, threshold in a defined target market. Afrikaans. Um, speakers are a huge chunk of this country. So anything which uh, is providing a communication in Afrikaans is, is probably got a head start in terms of viability. But And, and uh, there's, there's another factor there, strange it may seem, that uh, school teachers, Afrikaans school teachers, give, make Haskinah pre uh, uh, prescribed reading for English speakers to learn Afrikaans. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, so it's got a higher proportion yeah. Yeah. of uh, English speakers yeah. of that magazine. Okay. Uh, look, maybe it's changed now. I haven't yeah. looked at the figures, but certainly when my kids were young, yeah. that's what they had to do. Very interesting. Well, yeah. you know, for me, I'm just sad that none of you have mentioned what I thought was the high point of publishing in South Africa from a magazine perspective, which was Scope magazine. <laughs> and I tell you, I was so disappointed the first time I did actually catch a, a glimpse of a young lady that there were, in fact, no stars at all in the naughty <laughs> bits. I found that somewhat disappointing, of a disappointing to be quite honest with yeah. you. But on that note... Yeah. Uh, Doc, I'm going to leave you to, to wrap up. Just thanks to all the listeners. Mike, thanks. It's really good to uh, to have you in. And I think somewhere along the line, what uh, I'd like to do with you and uh, some of our colleagues of yesteryear is have more of a fireside chat where we can talk Absolutely. about uh, those times. So, Doc, uh, listeners, thanks. I'm going to leave it to the doctor. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Thanks, Mike. Thanks very no, much thanks for, for your you. time and, and your insights. And again, you know, we, we always urge our listeners to be part of the conversation Mike gave your, uh, gave you his email address a bit earlier, so please be part of the conversation, find out. And just as an aside, Gordon, you know, you talk about little kids, and and, and we've got a little godson, he's, uh, and, and he grew up with an iPad, you know, he's seven now, yeah. so he's, he's not a little chap anymore, but I mean, the way he plays his computer games, you will see how irritated he gets when there's an ad in the way. I mean, he can't, he no. pushes to skip the ad, and so that behavior and i'm saying as a, as a marketing guy it's tough to get through that because eh, he wants to play sharks and he hasn't got time to watch other ads the second point I wanna, I, uh, on that point my five five-year-old grandson uh, has got his own youtube channel where he, where he puts on his fishing videos oh really eh? yeah it's amazing eh? but i mean you, and that's it himself at, at five and, and i think that's the point you know you it just moves and it and unless you know, I guess to marketers out there and media people and everyone in the industry, if you're not staying at the, uh, on the curve, Gordon, we've made this, this is not a new point and this yep. shouldn't be a surprise. If you're not staying up, you're falling behind and it's pretty simple. Um, and then just the last point I wanted to make, you know, in the odd occasion that I go to a shopping center these days, I try to avoid them. The other day, the true story, I was in one of the centers and I went to one of these, you know, these digital things with a map that tells you where you got to go, center I wasn't familiar with. And, and I tried to swipe, I thought it was like a giant iPad. <laughs> but it was a, it was a static digital, and I actually found myself getting irritated. And I guess you know you get so used to this interactive, you know, you're on your phone, you're on your thing. I couldn't understand why this thing wouldn't move. So I was kind of hoping that no one had seen me and there wasn't a secret cam. But John, oh, somebody's story. got you on camera. Somewhere. But anyway, anyway, you've, uh, you've raised a good point for us to uh, to end on. Uh, little Lati wants to do shock, so we'll sing it out. Come on. <laughs> Baby shark, do 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 do. I'll leave you to do the singing. Baby shark, not I'm keeping quiet. What kind of a grandpa are you that you don't do baby shark? Ciao for now, everyone. Ciao, listeners. See you next time. Cheers. Ciao. And so that was another episode of the Doc and the Guru. 
please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mateus. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.